Our mind is um, Musical meanderings. If we're lost, we're lost together. <laughs> let's, steal, let's steal from uh, Blue Rodeo. Blue Rodeo. <laughs> <laughs> we are lost together. Yeah, I love that song. I love the organ in that song. Great band. See oh, what I mean? Wow. Meanderings. There you go. Um, well, it's uh, ostensibly it's about music. And yes. anything and everything to do with music that we want to talk about, because that's what we do. Free flow, free form, just whatever comes out of our skulls and onto our tongues. So the word rant has to be in there a little bit. Because, <laughs> I mean, what often happens when you and I are talking is we'll start off talking about Jaco Pastorius or Tori Amos or something, but then something... That's not where we end up. No, something something will, will set us off in a different direction. Sometimes it's based on something that was said in that conversation, or sometimes it's just squirrel. <laughs> sometimes it's just like completely unrelated. <laughs> Leon and Jeremy's non-focused, we don't know what we're going to talk about next podcast. It is kind of a long and winding road kind of thing. So, Can we steal that? I think it's been... Let's change it from long and winding to winding, to and, long. winding and long. Yeah, like curved and distant. Road. Curved and distant road. The curved curved and, and distant road. <laughs> <laughs> the curved and distant boulevard. You see, we could have been given the lyrics to a Beatles song before they actually released it, uh-huh. and we still wouldn't have had a hit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm convinced. <laughs> if I ever get that Conan laugh, like I love Conan O'Brien, but okay. he's got that. He's he's doing that laugh for the past like five or ten years. That's just like overwhelming the guest. You know? Oh, really? Yeah. Have you noticed that? I don't watch them. I don't know. <laughs> I don't watch them. Great. I, well, I, okay. Well, we'll put a disclaimer there. <laughs> <laughs> Go watch that podcast. Anyway, he's got his own podcast now, too. Yeah. Copycat. Copycat. I know. It's it's like they're all just going, oh, Leon and Jeremy are doing that? <laughs> we should probably do that before them. So my, my sister, who um, she does a lot of stuff with B, um, CBC. Canadian Broadcasting Corporation. Mm-hmm. I almost said BBC. That's like that's like an Australian saying they like Marmite <laughs> instead of Vegemite. <laughs> you, they send you out of the country for that. Is that right? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, they you, let you in. You know, people who've been actually no, no, no escorted out of, mine, of the country. A friend of mine told me. Oh. <laughs> so she ended up um, somehow. I'm not sure, but meeting. Um, what's the the? I, I hate to say this, but the, like the two main guys from uh, Blue Rodeo. The, the oh well, the Cuddy is one of them. Cuddy, Jim Cuddy, Jim Cuddy. So I guess she met him. I won't. I won't go as far as to say like they became buddies or something, but they yeah. they met each other, had chats and stuff. And so, I think that's super cool, right? Yeah. But then there are a fair number of people in the world that I would say that to, and they'd go, "Oh, um, what was the name of the band again?" <laughs> I say it to you, and you know what I'm talking about. Well, Blue Rodeo never really did. They ever break bro- outside of bro- Canada? Broach the Canadian borders. Um, you know who I discovered last night? This was so cool. I'm going, I, 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 I pulled up a list of all the, like, I just said, like, who are the top classical composers? Actually, I wanted to, we were talking about Mozart, Beethoven, and Bach. Okay. Yep. So yep. being the sort of the tri, trifecta. The Holy Trinity. The of, Holy Trinity. Yeah, of right? composers. So. Which reminds me, mm-hmm. what was Mozart after he died? Pardon what, me? What was, what did people call Mozart after he died? Amadeus? No, a decomposer. <laughs> <Boxer>! <laughs> See, because 
you're composing when you die, uh, when you live, and then decomposing when you Thanks die. Thanks for explaining that. Yeah, so there you go. Yeah. That's a good one. Okay. So go ahead. Uh, very punny. Very punny. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> so anyways, I was trying to get all my timelines straight because I never really did study classical history. Okay. But I came across this. You probably know this already. Um, what's the name of it? From the 10th, I guess it would be, technically would be the 11th century. So like 10 whatever. Ooh, you know, the other music teacher at this here school, um, that's her specialty actually is ancient, Music history? Ancient music history. Well, like how ancient? Because this is, this is like a thousand, would be a thousand years ago. So I'd have to ask her specifically for the answer to that, but... But she was, I was, I was like, you know, I really like Mozart. And then I was telling her a little bit about, you know, that we had started talking about Mozart versus Beethoven kind of mm -hmm. idea, right? And yep. she's like, well, that's kind of like too new for me. <laughs> it's, it's too modern. <laughs> that's too modern for me. <laughs> you kids these days. <laughs> you you kids and your kids. Beethoven. Long hairs. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. Okay, the girl's name, the woman's name, incredible woman, not just for music. Hildegard von Bingen. Ever heard of her? I have never heard that Binken name. Me either. About. And she's number four on the list. Wow. From 1098 to 1179. Dang. Right? You know what kills me about that is I do... You riff. I'll look for her music. I do. Okay. Because I do a unit with... Um, Go ahead. I, I do a unit with uh, my students that talks about female composers. Right. Because I started originally, like, I don't know how many years ago, doing a unit on famous composers. So we look at compositions by those composers and then we try to understand why is it that we still know Mozart's name if I say that to anybody mm -hmm. they know that name or Beethoven or like why are they so famous all these years later right what was so great about them yeah what makes this song great <laughs> we should call it that <laughs> what makes this song great yeah Rick Beato wouldn't mind at all <laughs> <laughs> who's that Rick oh, Beato never yeah, heard of him never heard of him is oh, he a thing you should listen to that it's Pretty darn good. <laughs> anyway, so, and then I realized because um, one of my students came to me and said, oh, can I do uh, Fanny Mendelssohn? You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the and, sister of uh, Felix. Yes. And I was like. Absolutely. Also great. Amazing. Like I amazingly mean, great. Actually, it's it's funny because I've gotten into this debate a little bit, even in class with Clara Schumann versus uh, her husband, you know? And she's written some amazing stuff, and there's some debate about whether the stuff, some of the stuff that he was credited for, <laughs> he took over. No, no, I not mean, even he took him his doing wife's it. composition. It is like well, know, somebody else, somebody else credited to him. Couldn't possibly. How be could it be a woman? Couldn't be the woman. So they must be. They must be Robbie. <laughs> Good old Robbie. <laughs> Robbie. Robbie. Uh, okay, so I don't. Okay, so this is very. It's the chance, right? So when you when you think of. This is from my iPhone, by the way. So she wrote these. She was a philosopher. Sounds like Game of Thrones or something. Or Enigma. Uh, right, exactly. But, I mean, it gets... In the beginning, I was like, oh, it's going to be one of these, like, draggy things. It's very complex as it gets... As it moves along. And it's church-oriented, right? So it's all parts of the mass. She was a theologian, philosopher, like a very influential woman of her time. That's amazing. From I mean, Germany. You know, it's amazing to me because obviously there were people who 
Like there were people who bought into this idea that it doesn't matter that she's a woman. It matters it that she's creating. It just blew me away. How could amazing. A, she's a woman, right? From like yeah. ancient times or, or, you know, mid, mid ages or whatever in Germany. Mm-hmm. Uh, even that Germany was a thing in, in the 11th century. That's part of the thing. Like what, was it actually, or was it? It was. It said she was German. Was it Prussian? Well, I don't know. I'd have, I'd have to do my research, and then yeah. I don't really want to research. No, so let's just talk about it like pretty, pretty surface. Surfacey. And then, yeah, and then we'll have people write in later and just... say, you guys are dummies. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, You're... we don't need to be corrected. We need to be educated. There you go. Yeah, so yeah. educate us. Educated. Okay, so. <laughs> Hildegard. But Hildegard, though, actually, I think now that you say that, just that, I think that's what happens is when people talk about Hildegard. They don't say the von Blinken part. I think I have heard that name. Number one on the list of this particular list. This is somebody's list, okay? So it's not the definitive list. Number one is Bach. Not because they consider Bach to be number one, but because he was kind of the 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 in-the-door guy. He was first. Yes. Second? That's what you and I talked about the other day, though. Like, I, I don't know how you could say, I don't like anything by Bach. But let's say no, no, no. I, let's I, say theoretically that somebody did say okay. that, right? Even that person couldn't deny the influence of Bach Correct. on all of the compositions, all of the composers that came after him. And guess what? As I'm going educa- educating myself on this last night, I listened to more Bach. Okay. And I had kind of pigeonholed him in sort of the harpsichord counterpoint kind of counterpoint stuff. type thing. Yeah. He's got some amazingly complex compositions that I had mind-blowing in no fact, idea about I remember when I was living in Venezuela I was hearing the um it's called the Joropo music mm-hmm. and one of the main instruments in this music is the harp mm-hmm. and they play these amazing things and then they have the um the cuatro which is a ukulele mm-hmm. you know they do these they end up doing these counterpoint rhythms mm-hmm. and I remember thinking like I've heard that from Bach, right? Mm-hmm. And I heard them doing it in this really cool, danceable way. Like they have these. Cool... Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Like, what was it called again? It was Horopo music, right? Sounds J- familiar. J O R O P O. Well, that um, so so. So Hildegard. So Bach. No, no, but Bach is number one, right, yeah. on the list. Which okay, it's not my list. What's what is there a title to this list? Like, what is the it's reference? the thirty. 30 of the greatest classical music composers of all time. Okay. And we've done our utmost, blah, blah, blah. You know, we'll put a link in the, uh, in the, uh, in the, in the comments below. Yeah, yeah. Don't forget to click and subscribe. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Lincoln is saying that, my seven-year-old. Lincoln. He's saying that now because of Minecraft. Lincoln. Oh, I thought he, it was because he thought it was funny that it's Lincoln subscribe. That's one of the things he says before, I go to, before we go, he goes to sleep. <laughs> Seriously, I'm not joking. <laughs> We're like, good night, good night, Lincoln. Love you. And he goes, don't forget to like and subscribe. <laughs> like, just... That's hilarious because it's like, okay, I'm reading you your bedtime story. The end. Don't forget to like and subscribe. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly what it is. Okay, so Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart, number two. Yeah, so I was, many more I was names. surprised. No. I was shocked. Really? I thought Beethoven would be higher up. I Maybe not number one, but definitely number two. It's like... Jordan and and Chamberlain, you know, or Jordan and Bird and Bird. I mean, because okay. there was that thing about Jordan saying Bird, he was a a problem. Yes, you know, but I it, to me this sounds a little bit like this person is is all, 
and I could be wrong. I don't know what the criteria were, but it sounds like they're naming like the most famous, like like Bach is. Oh, introducing you to the most famous classical composers. There okay, you, you think Bach is more famous than Beethoven, though? That's a tricky one. Maybe no. I actually I don't. I think he should be, but you know. Okay, stake your claim now, Mister. I'll tell you why. Bach or Beethoven? That. Bach. No. Um, really? No. Who I think is more famous? Mm-hmm. I think Beethoven. Who do you prefer? I I think I have to say Desert Bach. Island. We'll give you all their their entire catalog okay. to listen to for the rest of your life. That actually helps me answer that okay. question because Bach because I die before I ran out of stuff to listen to. <laughs> <laughs> That's good reason. And I'm relatively healthy too. <laughs> So it's pretty ironic. <laughs> Sorry, I had something caught in my entire body. <laughs> Bach, okay, okay. I'd, I'd go Beethoven, but I, I, I that's think just Beethoven. Me. I, don't get me wrong; it's, it's definitely not like I'm saying I wouldn't listen. One A, one B. You know, the thing is with Bach, I really do think that. Like, I could just listen to some of his stuff over and over again, and just hear complexity that I had missed the first twenty-five times. Do you know some of his stuff? To me, sounds British. Because when I think of some of his stuff that he plays, like I think of English countryside, you I know, see that. I think I'm looking at an Engl- English countryside. Like they and then I listen to his choral stuff and I was just like, holy, that's Hildegard. Holy Hildegard. <laughs> holy Von Blinken, I'll tell you. Holy Von Blinken. <laughs> <laughs> Number that's... three is Beethoven. Yeah. Okay. And then uh, I listened to his third Eroica. Yes. Symphony. That was the one I was talking about the other day when we... We mentioned this. A I don't bit. remember anything about it. That was the one I was trying to remember at that moment. the 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 name of this thing that I heard that I was like, "Oh my god, that's Beethoven!" Like, yeah, it didn't sound like. And but that's da, what da, 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 you know. It's that's a, what like, I that's was, what I think of. You know, that's the discussion we were having though. Is like to me, Beethoven sounded like to me having having a, a wider breadth of musical stylings is the best way I can put mm-hmm. it. Right? I think that's fair. But then last night, I'm listening to all these guys that I kind of poo-pooed before. Hayden, uh, Schumann, Brahms. Yes, Haydn. Okay. Yeah. Why Why is it Haydn? Just because it's H-A-Y? He was afraid. Hay um, is for horses. Okay? I don't think it's I know how English. to pronounce hay. I don't think it was in English at Whatever. All. Okay. Just, okay. <laughs> why it's isn't also... It, why it's, isn't it Jeropo? Hmm? It's also Kanoa. Okay. <laughs> It's not quinoa. Okay. There right. You go. Let's just set a couple of uh, things down <laughs> here. A couple of ground rules. Yes. We're going to make mistakes <laughs> consistently according to our own rules. <laughs> who, guess who's number four? The aforementioned Hildegard von Blingen. Oh, you told me that. Already. A Bingen. Actually, Sorry. Not I wasn't Blingen. even listening. You told me that. You she's said, not a Blingen. She's number four on the list. She's number four on the list guess as the most four? famous. I don't know. Hildegard von Blingen. I just told you. <laughs> <laughs> and then number five is Claudio Monteverdi. Really? Yeah. Uh, a... I don't like this list. No, I, I don't think I can agree with this list. And then Handel? I can't handle that. <laughs> <laughs> Vivaldi? Okay. You know, just the fascinating thing about some of this stuff is you go and you look at the historical stuff. I was looking at some of Bach's scores, mm. and I was thinking, like, ink? <laughs> Writing? He did the, the lines himself. Everything was right. done. I mean... I know exactly. Just that activity alone. Did he have people to transcribe it for him? Yeah. I believe he did. But even so, like, you'd have to write it out to get the ideas down anyway. Or and then play so... it. Maybe he'd have somebody who could actually. Maybe. I mean, and then th- at, that's that's and an interesting thing. Cause then I... he would go in there and, and say, okay, mezzo forte and 
you know, Allegro and a lot of that stuff though they didn't mark they didn't mark the dynamics right. markings, right? They they left that totally kind of interpretive. You. Yeah. Uh, I think okay, so that's really interesting what you're saying there because the way that I see this is hopefully somebody listening to this would sort of go, okay, <laughs> they 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 told me about Hildegard and now they didn't tell me a whole bunch, but at least now I know that name and I can go do some go research. Go explore on your own. Because and we can put links down in there, you know. Sure, yeah. Because really that's what I do with a lot of this stuff. The Okay, so I made the little joke about Rick Beato. You may have heard of him, three million followers. He's yeah. like a genius. I love yeah. that guy. Yeah. But so we have him. And then we have, uh, I was going to mention before, the Professor of Rock, I think he calls himself. Yeah, I, 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 I like him to an extent, but to me it just seems so, I don't know what the word is. I like him, but it's... It, He's definitely got like a, a positive take on, on the things that he talks about, but yeah. that's what he chooses. That's I mean, what he, well, I know what it, what it reminds me of is like some kind of like Casey Kasem or Dick Clark, that kind oh, of thing. Oh, okay. You yeah. know, yeah. that kind of approach. The Professor of Rock, it's a little more like that. And Rick Beato's more like in-depth, yes. right? Yeah. Like, listen to this. And I like those little takes where he goes. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> he's, <laughs> there's no video here, but he just pointed and made that Beato face. Is our audience going to be younger kids? Because if they are, we can't be talking classical all day long. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't imagine this. I, I, when we, when you and I chat, we talk about classicals, but it's definitely not the, the main. It's not all we do. Yeah, it's not the only thing we talk about. With those guys, like we, you and I talked about this, we're not the experts of all experts on this stuff. Like Rick Beato, he feels like his unprepared chat would be really instructional to me because he knows so much. Right. You know, just off the top of his head, he can pull, pull out in, information that I don't think I could keep in my head. Right. You know, I'd have to write it down. He's encyclopedic. He's just been, it feels like he's been so steeped in all of this stuff his, who knows, his whole life, you yeah. know? Yeah. So I don't want to try and be like, go head to head with him on that. Right. He already wins. Yeah. I think what I'd like to do is bring up ideas that we think are interesting, go as far as we can talking about that thing. Yeah. And then be sort of a, a, a springboard for other, for people who listen. I think that's a great idea. Let the listener do the, do the rest on their own. Yeah. Cause like something that you and I say might be interesting to that person, right? Mm-hmm. I don't have to do a show on that thing. Right. Just talk about it and just it gives you an idea for something to research because that's what I do. How about, yeah, not in depth, but like stuff, whoever it is that you might have forgotten about or you hadn't thought about it in that way, et cetera. And well, I, I'll use it as an example. When you, I don't even remember how we got on this subject, but in text, you sent me a text about mm-hmm. have you ever listened to, um, what was the name of the album by Journey? Oh, Escape. Escape. Have you just, ever listened to just, the whole... I mean, I, holy smokes. Yes. I mean, I, I think on so many levels in terms of the recording quality that for me, like we did a whole the spiel. The melodies. In text, we did a whole spiel on the bass player. <laughs> yes, the bass player <laughs> almost takes the songs over. I think he He's is incredible. so melodic, you know. So, but my point being like that was just us having a random text conversation. I think we were talking about something else. I don't remember what. And then I just threw it at you. I said, "Have you? Have you? When's the last time you listened just to out, Ge- out of the blue. Ger- Journey's Escape?" You said, "Never." <laughs> and so I spent like the rest of my evening listening to that and going over parts and looking up the the bass player and who he's got to have played with somebody else because Journey had a, a period when they weren't playing, right? Well, the Randy, the guy from what's his name from from uh, American Idol, he ended up playing with them on an album or two. Wow, Randy Jackson. Jackson. Yeah. yeah. 
Wow. But it wasn't him on that album. It was somebody else. No, I mean, on that album, th that was the bass player that I looked up and I was like, this guy must have had any, sure enough, he's played with tons of amazing people. And yeah. But, because it was just like, you could play the bass, you know, okay, I'll take, this is kind of an unfair comparison, but Mike, uh, Michael Anthony Van Halen, yeah. right? If you've got Eddie Van Halen going, you know, all that you stuff. Just, just, you just need to keep the bottom. Right. You can't, you know, dun, 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 you'd be dun. stepping on toes if you started to do like even just like big octave stuff. It's well, and that's interesting because Neil Sean is no slouch. But yeah. somehow they managed to figure out figure out the interplay, you know, between the bass and the guitar. Wow, I wonder. And the keys are in there too. Yeah, that's the thing. They had tons of stuff in there, but I felt like, I don't know, maybe they sat down and steely dan the whole thing and like mapped it out and, you know, do you know what I mean? Like, I don't know, but I, all I know is that like that voice, it's more than just a voice, Steve Perry, because he... Those melodies, I don't know if he came up with those melodies or what, but those some of those lines that he's doing, and then Rick Beato, when he talks about like him landing on the sixth instead mm. of, you know, or landing on a note that just doesn't make sense because of the chord that they're on. Yeah. You know? I don't, I don't, I can't imagine that much of that was luck. I really think no. they must have sat down and said, I think okay. maybe it was Jonathan Cain. Because that, I used to read Keyboard Magazine all the time mm -hmm. when I was back in the day. I have tons of copies of them in, in my I, mom's basement. Is that right? <laughs> oh, I yeah. used to just like pour over every single issue. I used to look at mostly the ads, funny enough. <laughs> That's exactly right. Because I wanted to know the new keyboard yes. coming out, you know? Yes. Yeah. What you need to salivate over. Yeah. <laughs> and not be able to afford. Yeah. Oh, a W. That sounds I got, nifty. I got my Jupiter 6 on a uh, payment plan from Long and McQuaid when I was 19 or whatever. I think my M1 was from Long and McQuaid too. Is that right? Actually, yeah, yeah. I remember when the M1 came out. There were like those were those when they had milestone keyboards like DX7. Before that, I think it was the the Prophet. Okay. Before that, it was the Moog. I don't know. Yeah, I, I know. I know what you're saying. I sent you that chart, right? The DX7. Yeah, the DX7. I remember that, and I was like, okay, I can see why people like it because as opposed to those like programmable, I had a, I had a PPG that was ancient, but. Um, could you could you uh, could you save stuff on it though? Well, <laughs> theoretically, if you had the battery for it, I couldn't find. It was like a <laughs> massive. <laughs> it had to have this battery to hold. Right. But it wouldn't have mattered a whole ton actually, because it was like sine wave sawtooth. It was, yeah, it was, it was live. It was meant to be edited yes, live. Yeah, yeah. Right? So I would I would tweak it, but it wasn't um, like turn knobs kind of thing. It was buttons because I think they were trying to modernize so these mm. buttons. Yeah, which made it really hard to do. What was actually. it? PPG. Is that, isn't that what Rush used? Oof. I think they used that in Tom Sawyer, if I'm not mistaken. PPG, is that wave? PPG wave? Is that? I believe so. Huh? I, I remember, I, I think I still have it actually. I, mean, I think they used that on the Moving Pictures album. What is Oberheim? Oh, Oberheim's different. Oberheim was the, the, uh, the synth bass, right? Well, no, they, Oberheim, I think Oberheim is what Jump was played on. Okay, so we're going to have to do some research to come back to this. Because uh -huh. the PPG, what I know about it was I could turn it on, it would give me a sine wave. And then I could change different values, you know, attack and de uh, decay and all that Start kind of stuff. Start manipulating it, yeah. And I could also change <clears throat> the, the wave. So I could have a sawtooth or et cetera, you know. And that was about it. So once I had a going through it, I could play that, and then when I turned it off, I'd have to redo that. So theoretically, I could use like if I if I used it in a show, I could use one sound. 
Yeah. Because there's no way I could have like the singer going, So while Jeremy's just reprogramming his keyboard, I'm gonna tell I was born in Pickering, Ontario. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> you know. Um and th- so my point being that the DX seven was was key for that. It had moved to that point where you just push a button and you have something that sounds relatively like a piano. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And then the M1 came out and it sounded like... The M1 changed my life because that became like the recording unit Absolutely. for us. I, I I forget when it came out, but I mean, we that was when we were using an Apple 512K, Macintosh 512K. Oh, geez, Louise. And we had the, we had the, uh, the Simpty converter because we had a, a 16-track ta- uh, Tascam. Yeah. And had, so we I had used an eight track. We had to bounce tracks. I mean, like you probably did as well. But we, we did had the same to thing. Yeah, everything. Yeah. Well, well, with sixteen tracks, and it was the thin tape. It was the the, the one inch. So it wasn't. It wasn't as you didn't have as much leeway. Mm-hmm. Like the two inch tapes, you had a lot more leeway. Our eight track was on a cassette. Oh wow! You, really? That must have been hard to. That was really hard to bounce, and you're well, and to keep it bright it. because every time you bounce, you lose your brightness. Right. That's right. So. I mean, what you did, what we did with that was we would EQ bright, brighter than right, you know, just like but, a, I mean, you obnoxiously lose bright. Yeah, but you lose a lot of sound quality on each bounce. As and well. what we didn't realize too is that what you need to be doing is doing a you know a, you need to cut off the lows. You need to do a high pass filter, right? Ooh. Because once you add all those tracks up, it's not the low from the instrument itself; it's the low from the from the from this tape the tape noise from the magnet. The, the, but what we had is a simpty converter for time time code yeah, syncing, yeah you know so so that took up tracks 15 and 16 you recorded on 16 and it bled all the way into 15 so you couldn't use 15 at all so we actually ostensibly had 14 tracks to work right. with so you'd do you'd record your drums individually and then you do a drum mix and mix it down to stereo or you might do a kick and a snare and then a and, a, and then the rest of the mix the rest of the drum mix so we we were forced to do like the whole drum set, sometimes drums and bass at the same time, you know, so like try to, try to isolate them within, in somebody's basement, right? Yeah. It wasn't like we were in a studio, obviously. So we would put like a mattress up between the two so that we could, cause the bass, you can just go like DI, right? Yeah. And we didn't have a DI box. So, <laughs> so direct to the mixer then? Uh, or yeah, we could, we could, we could do that. That's almost like a direct box. But the yeah, direct box gives it that boost, right? That's it. Because the difference is you're still getting, if you're, let's say you're going straight out of the amp, it's kind of the same thing. But if you're miking that cabinet, mm-hmm. then you're still getting the room ambiance, which means you're picking up those drums. Yeah. And our drummer beat the crap out of his drums. So, yeah. I mean, I'm sure if we sat down and really thought about it, we were just trying to get good ideas onto tape so that we could take it to somebody and they would record it a lot better. Right. You know? Um, I sold... I think three songs to an artist, not sold, but I mean, I had him do covers of my songs. Not a, not a big, not a big artist, not a big deal, but that was what he got. He got a, he got a, a 16 track mixed onto two track mixed onto a cassette that we handed in. Right. Yeah. And I, I, I would have like loved, I, I would, today I would love somebody to play my songs so that I could hear like an interpretation of it. Yeah. You know? It's... Well, there's an excitement. There's also a fair amount of disappointment when you hear the way they, for me, anyways. I was I was somewhat disappointed with, and they did a great job. It was well produced. They just did not nice the way you would do it kind just of Just not the way I would do it. Yeah. yeah, that's interesting. I I was watching something the other day about a song. 
I won't even try to remember what song it was, but it was a really famous song that had been released. Oh, it was Heart. It was Professor of Rock was doing a, an interview with Ann Wilson of Heart. Uh-huh. And they do that one song. Is it What About Love? It was a song that had been written by, like, one of these Oh, I think I know this people. story. Yes. It was like a... Songwriting It was team. Diane Warren, I think, wasn't it, that wrote no, that? No, no. This was a songwriting team. It was like Lieber and Stoller of, of the 80s kind oh, of thing. Oh, okay. And... Uh, and they had written this song that was released. I, <laughs> the original version was done by some band that I had never heard of. And mm-hmm. then um, there was a second version done by uh, John Stamos. John Stamos? Yeah, for for that show. For uh, Yeah. Uh, I know the one you're talking about. I can't think of the name, though. Oh, Ellie's going to kill me that I don't remember the name. Credit, cr- not credit Best Buddies. House. No. No, no. It's, um, it'll, uh, crowd, it's like something Crowded House, but... Not not the band. <laughs> anyway, the show that he was on. Yes. He and... Heartthrob, John Stamos. Yeah, so he had recorded this. He recorded that song first. That's yes, hilarious. Yeah, as as a duet. I think with the actress that played his, his wife on the show or something okay. like that. It was some connection like that. But he, definitely it was him singing it. Yeah. And then Hart heard it and they were like, well, they they had a different take on it. So they start off with the piano. Da, 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 da. What song is da 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 da? Oh, alone. Alone. Yeah. The 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 note that she hits in that song. Yeah, crazy, crazy. And it's like, wow, it's amazing, right? And that song became, I think, it's their biggest selling hit. Alone or what about love? It was alone. I okay. was I, I was saying it was one of those around. That oh, time. you mean it was alone that that song had been <laughs> written by by some songwriting team, oh, okay. done by this group that. It makes sense for the time, you know, but it was like it aged badly in right. terms of being a very 80s song. Yes. And then John, this John Stamos version was like the, I don't know what, like named Kylie Minogue and those kinds of guys, the, the kids that were recording at that time. Oh. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, okay. Um, so it was like a teen, a teen yeah, thing. Yeah, like a teen bot. It sounded like it was recorded for the audio version of Tiger Beat magazine. <laughs> <laughs> and then... Ooh. <laughs> I wonder if they have that. I'd like they... to get me a copy oh, of that. Maybe that should be the name of our podcast. <laughs> the audio version of Tiger Beat. <laughs> That's the title of this first podcast. That's, that is Because every podcast has to have a, t- I mean, every episode has to have a, that's the title of our first episode. There you go. The audio version of Tiger Beat magazine. <laughs> that's, that's the title of our first episode. Can well, we agree? Sure, we could be slapped with a false advertising, but you know, go for it. Irreverent? Darn Yes. Heck you betcha. Yeah. Heck yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Accurate? No. Irreverent? Heck no. Yes. No. <laughs> Wait, why did I start talking about th- Oh, because the whole idea that this song was a good was a really good song that had been processed to the point of like processed cheese. It was yeah. hardly cheese cheesy. It wasn't even cheese. It was processed cheese. Do you even taste the cheese when you taste a cheese slice? Like a processed cheese slice. Have you ever microwaved that stuff? I mean, it hardens like like plastic. I mean, you could make a bowl out of it. Don't buy processed cheese. Don't buy processed cheese. Yeah. <clears throat> Unless, of course, like Kraft, you want to sponsor us or something. That, that stuff Kraft. is awesome. Kraft. I yum. love processed cheese. <laughs> Give me some veal. It's got calcium. <laughs> it's got calcium, don't you know? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so the, the point I'm going with here is that... Those songwriters must have heard that song. Yeah, somebody signed. Wait, up. I want to make clear though. So, what you're, the song you were talking alone. about that got re- was alone. Okay, alone. got it. Definitely alone. Okay. 
Because what about love? I think Diane Warren had a hand in that. I, I, I could be wrong. I think she had a hand in most of the stuff that Do you was know what was really interesting? 80 to 92. Okay, I used to, I used to really like Loverboy. And not, not as much anymore. I still think they were, you know, a really productive and good band and everything like that and good songwriters. But there was a... the prof- a connection that he recorded with Ann Wilson. Prof- yes, that. Professor of Rock did an episode of, of, of him recording with Ann Wilson. Mm-hmm. And I was just struck by how Ann Wilson was quite, you know, quite uh, not so subtle in saying that he wasn't the guy that she wanted to sing that song with. Really? Yes. Wow. Yeah. That's interesting. You should go listen to that episode. I should definitely. It's yeah. really, it's really. Uh, I don't know. Like, and Mike Reno is just really affable, and 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 it seems like a really cool guy, and and um, you know. But I think you know, never got a lot of respect as a vocalist. I don't think you know really all that much. Which is interesting, like, because okay, you could say, well, maybe it's because he wore red leather pants, but everybody did. <laughs> they did. That was the you thing. That, that was, was the, the thing. Stick. So yeah. So like, it but wasn't I, that. I, my favorite Loverboy album was their very first album. It had the Kid Is Hot Tonight and mm-hmm. Turn Me Loose and Lady of the Eighties and all that stuff. It was their 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 breakout album. Yeah. And you know they had lots of like Get Lucky to me was just like the the beginning of the end. It was their second album and it was their biggest album, I think. What was their song that they... I'm going to go back to what you just said because I think his vocals, for me, were part of what made those early songs. Absolutely, yeah. But what was that song that they had? It was like kind of a comeback for them in the 90s. It wasn't Love Valid? Every Minute of It, was it? Did Love and Every Minute of It was was one of them. Was it... You mean like a heavy... Yeah, that was the one that Mutt Lang produced. Okay. So and it, to me, it was just like, I'm done. No, but I mean, for... A lot of people... Mike, if you're hearing this, I love you. <laughs> love you, dude. <laughs> no, I just, like, I mean, Mutt Lang, I don't know if, you know, do you know the guy? Oh, yeah, I mean... Yeah. Uh, ACDC. Well, I, I'm thinking of the, the Brian Leopard and the Def Adams albums. Exactly, you know? yeah, yeah. Yeah. But he did, he did Brian Adams, like, early 90s, right? So he did the, the Leopard albums in the 80s, right? Which were great albums. I, I liked him in that context. See, for me, I, it almost... Well, at the time, it really upset me because I'm thinking this is the group that made Pyromania. What a great for me! But he was album. on that album, wasn't he? I don't think so. I think no? he did Hysteria. Okay, maybe when it it was over processed, it just seemed to me to suck all the life out of yeah. what made Def Leppard great. Right, and that was my issue with the Loverboy album as well. There you go. I mean, that's probably and why put he the got... chance in love and every minute of it. Yeah, 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 all the chants and everything like that. All of that and the overproduction. I mean, like. If you just took out 25% of the reverb, it would sound better. Yeah. Much much less like in Hysteria when they did all those like backwards vocal things and all the, all these little tricks. It felt like so studio, gimmicky. Studio tricks, yeah. It felt so gimmicky. And at the time, it was like, how do you reproduce that, right? Now I I imagine it's much, much not imagine. Although when they do those songs, I've seen them do it live on Howard Stern, and they're, they sound great. Because you have to take all that junk out and just have the song. So the songs are good is what you're saying. That's what I'm saying. If you good. you try to polish a piece of crap, it's going to still be a piece of crap. But if you have a great thing and you cover it with too much whipped cream and all that kind of stuff, as soon as you wash that away, you have that great pro- original product. Yeah. So those songs, like Alone, it survived because somebody could hear it's I did great... that. I did that to Johnny King. You've heard Johnny King, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the the choir stuff in the end was just too much. 
I th- I think it's so easy to do in a studio. Yeah. You know, like if you're sitting there in a studio, let's add this in. Let's add that in. Yes, exactly. And I I do that on nowadays with GarageBand. I mean, for me, when I sit down with GarageBand, I I don't consider that I'm songwriting. I'm I feel like I'm more along the side of DJing. Right. You know, you've heard the stuff that I create there. It's I like your stuff though. So I, you gotta you got. But I like what DJs do too. It's just not the same as sitting down and writing a great song and trying to just get that earnest message across. This is like having a bit of fun with sound. Yeah. You know. So I, that's that's kind of like uh, that's a songwriter song versus a produced song. Or so so the producer is one guy. Then you got a band like Journey, right? Where to me it seems like on that album, on that Escape album, those four guys and maybe even the drummer, I don't know, but definitely Neil Sean, Steve Perry, Jonathan Kane, and the and the bass player probably sat down together, took the song and said, Okay, here's what we're gonna do. Right. Let's try this, let's try that. And they just worked it and worked it and worked it until they got it the arrangement of that song exactly the way they wanted it. You know, it. listening to you say that, you're making me think of I remember seeing this interview with a bunch of different like guitar gods, you uh-huh. know, quote unquote. And they were asking, what is it that makes your playing so good? Why do people want to hear your listening? That kind of thing. And one of the guys, I can't even remember, it was like, he said, you know, I, I play what to serve the song. You know, I don't play to be a guitar god. I don't play to have a flashy part that I really, I play to serve the song. Right. And if you do that, You'll have a you'll have a great solo, a great riff, or whatever. And I think the producer has to look at it the same way. Maybe Mutt Lang, maybe what it is that you and I are talking about that it seems neither one of us like is that he's not serving the song. He's serving. I'm going to be producer of the year. Commerciality. <clears throat> yeah, he's trying to sell that song. Shania Twain. Yeah, I mean, right? you've heard all that stuff. Have you ever heard her live? Yeah. See, okay, so how was that live? Did she did she reproduce the uh, the studio? Well, or? I mean, they they've got all the keyboards and the tricks, and you've seen, there's a there's actually I saw the Shania Twain drummer who's a girl, okay, uh, a, a woman, sorry, who who's very good drummer. Her name's um, not Hildegard by any chance. Her name is Bingen. <laughs> I don't know. She's, von Blinken. She's she's of Las Vegas. Oh, okay. She's von Vegas. <laughs> drummer von Vegas. Okay. <laughs> It's really good. You should, if you can, if you can find the video. But, but the point is, is that you can hear all of the, you can hear all of the um, piped-in tracks. You know that are, you know, the things that need to be there. I think it's "You Don't Impress Me Much" is the song. Okay. That don't impress me much. See, I think there's, it's which not like... could be, you know, a song about my impression of. <laughs> oh, we're really oh, dissing people yeah. today, Holy aren't we? We've already we've done in Mutt Lang. We're, yeah. we're doing in Shania Twain. Mutt Lang, I mean, Mutt Lang is gonna hear this. Obviously, we've done in Mike Reno. Who's not? Going. Sorry, Mike. Yeah, Mike's actually. No, I love Mike. I don't Reno. think we did. I think I think we said that Mike Reno didn't get as much respect as I he think should've. he didn't. I yeah. I think I don't feel like we poo pooed him at all. And he was one of the. I mean, those guys wrote together, him and Paul Dean. And I think, yeah, that's one of the things that's, that's also missing is you get like. If it goes, if it has gone back to that point where like six people in the world are writing ninety five percent of the hits on the, on the radio, yeah, do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's it's yeah. And then on top of that, you get a couple of producers who they you know they found their sound and they found what people will listen to, sort of thing, which is great for a certain amount of time. But in terms of 
pushing, you know, beyond the barriers and stuff like that, it makes it really hard for somebody to make a sound that's surprising or different. Yes. You know, like, what if Bjork released her first solo album now? You know, would she have a Bjork sound or would she have to do the, the modern, the, the current day equivalent of Mutt Langing her sound? When Bjork first heard her first song that she wrote in that genre, was she after shocked? Sugar, was she surprised? After the Sugar Cubes. Yeah. Yes. I don't know. Was, was she? she surprised? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, did she, did she listen to it and go, ooh, I've surprised yeah. myself? I mean, I've seen, I, I remember one interview that I watched with her, and I just loved, somebody said to her, so describe your sound. Like, what kind of genre do you f- think you fit into? Or, like, how would you... How would you label your music? And she says, I don't know. I make Bjork music. A lot of people could have said something like that. Fill in the blank here. I make Mm -hmm. whatever band music. With her, it felt like, yeah, I actually couldn't deny that statement. Well, and that goes back to the thing we were talking about, like with Bach and Beethoven. Are there things that make you recognize them? Right? And unless you're already, in their cases... I think unless you're already familiar with a style, like uh, we were talking about Billy Joel playing Beethoven style stuff to his mom to trick her. Right. Right. Yeah. And in that motif. So if you don't, if you don't hear uh, an Eric Clapton lick from his, you know, a certain era, you know, Uh, by the way, I listened to another video about Eric Clapton. Okay. Uh, not about Eric Clapton. It was called The 10 Worst Albums by Amazing Artists. <laughs> and one of them was Eric Clapton I Pilgrim. Want, I wanted to do a compilation album called Great Songs by Bands That Suck. Because <laughs> <laughs> I think it would sell. I would take um, Frankie Goes to Hollywood and, and I would say, okay, overall, I didn't Relax. Like... Don't do it. Yeah, relax. Just I, don't I do think it. that's what somebody said when and I just didn't make the compilation. When you want to get to it. Then I realized they were just telling me lyrics and they weren't commenting on my idea at all. <laughs> Fifteen years later. Darn it. <laughs> hey, watch your tongue. Okay. I Fa- tried. It's family not a podcast. Enough. I can't uh, anyway. <laughs> no, no. So like they did the uh, the power of love, right? Who did? Frankie Frankie goes to Hollywood. Not the Jennifer Rush one. The... And not the uh, Hugh Lewis in the News one? Holy cow. Who, who hasn't done us? Has Eric Clapton It's done the it? power of love. Dun, dun, dun. Wait, did, isn't that the one Isn't that the one they sued? Um, no, that was I Want a New Drug. Okay. They, they sued Ghostbusters over. No, Frankie Goes to Hollywood had a song. They had uh, a song called uh, Power of Love? Yeah. Okay. It's the power of love. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Of course yeah. I know that song. Which yeah. I really like that song. It would be a stretch for me to say that I think Culture Club totally sucked because I think they had some great songs, actually. Yeah. Which, but Victims. Have you ever heard the song Victims by Culture Club? Victims we know so well. I'm getting a phone call. In your... May I interrupt? Mm. Hello. So the idea being that if the songwriters write a great song, yeah. And then the musicians interpret that to serve that song, right? Right. Like Heart with Alone, mm-hmm. they said, if you really want this song to be taken seriously, it can't start off as an 80s pop hit synth, you know? Right. Start off with just a piano and voice. It's still, I mean, that sound still ended up being fairly 80s. Oh, very, quote yeah, but, very. But her but, voice is so amazing. Yeah. Like, she's got just a f- full... 
Well, number one, they let the melody and the voice stand out right. a lot more, probably. So right? that tinkly, '80s sounding piano, sure, it sounds '80s, right? Yeah. But man, like, there are moments. The the thing, the elements of it that stand out, like you said, like they let her, that melody and her voice stand out, right? Mm -hmm. And that was playing to the strength of of the song, the song. Yeah. And the performance, which was serving yeah. the song. Eddie Van Halen said that his greatest guitar solo ever was "Jump." Oh yeah, right. right. Which I mean, that guitar, that solo section of that song, the solo itself. Okay, he did hammer-ons and he did blah blah blah, but the songwriting in that solo section, the drums, the bass, the whole, the way it all fits together, is really strong. I think really strong yeah. songwriting, which is Look, what makes it. A good that solo. song is not just the intro, because no. you know it's become just the intro, right? You hear that, yeah. bam, 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 it's and the it's TikTok like version of it is bam, 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 done. <laughs> <laughs> is that right? I haven't heard it. No, no, I'm just saying that. Yeah, yeah. Like, not literally it's a TikTok. I mean, but, but it's... yeah, it's, it's just like, if you want to encapsulate that song. But actually, the rest of the song is really... I like the like the, the, the synth part in the bridge going into the into the verse. Yeah. It's yeah. ingenious. I think the drums in that song are hugely underrated. I mean, yeah. even that first thing that he does, which is simple, it's just the, the crash cymbals and he's hitting the kick. So, dun, yeah. dun, dun, dun. Yeah. But then... On that last hit, he hits, he hits the, the bell, ride. Yeah. the bell of the ride, right? Yeah. And it's just like, what the heck was that? You know, like, it's I supposed think, to be a crash. Well, that's what I was dun dun dun. It's going to be a crash, right? Yeah. I think that song was a great example of those things. It's a it's a really good song, right? Yeah. And then the performance that served that song took all the made it great. It made it great, right? Yeah. And I think the same thing is true for the producer, like. We talked about Journey. Those songs were great songs. And then you have a great singer. You have a great bass player and a great guitar. Like they're We all... should talk about producers. Yes. We'll That's call that episode The Producers. The Producers. No one will sue us for that. <laughs> no. Why would they? Why would they? Oh, well, you know. The Producers. I don't make much money. Nobody ever talks about The Producers. <laughs> so do we save Mutt Lang for that then? Well, you know what? Getting back to Mutt. I feel like we poo-pooed him a lot, and he's very successful. We should probably say something good. He basically made ACDC after, you there know. There you go. That, 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 I think he's the one who produced the uh, last album that uh, Bon Scott sang on. Really? I think so, yeah. Wow. That was his start. That was his uh, leg in the door. I, I could be wrong, but I, I'm pretty sure. See, when I think of him with ACDC, I thought he did, like, the, the later stuff. There was, okay, so, like, the um, their song that was in that Schwarzenegger Terminator movie, Who Made Who? Who Made Who? Did he Great song. That? I don't know. You know? But the thing is about the ACDC stuff, that's, I don't think he messed that, I mean, that that stuff's produced, the production on their stuff is great. And it's totally, that's their sound. Do you know what? It, I, I, my theory on that is because they are so raw. I mean, they're one step right of, of Motorhead. In terms of raw, do you sound. think he tried to make Def Leppard too much like ACDC? Is that the problem? I think because Def oh, Leppard, the voice is kind of like in that. Uh, I don't know the guy's name, but Joe Elliott. Yeah, I really like Joe Elliott's voice actually. And if you hear, actually, he's done some stuff where it was just like him acoustic. And the, there's this great interview of him doing like in a pub, just like some guys playing acoustic guitars. It looks like a Kaylee in, in Dublin or something, you know? And it's just him singing, and he sounds great. Yeah. I think he's got a great, strong voice and delivery and everything else. They yeah. just, 
they just played Toronto like uh, last year right or something. Eh? Yeah, they did like a Monsters of Rock kind of kind of thing with them. It was Def Leppard, Motley Crue. Yeah. Oh my God, Motley <laughs> Crue. <laughs> oh my. Anyway, they'll recover. <laughs> they have to at some point. You know, Joan Jett played in that concert. My my my. Somebody else as well, but um, Def Leppard, I think. They they went through this thing about with the overproduction of them, which I just think takes a lot of their. Do you think part of it was because of that accident, you know, and him yeah, and trying to accommodate for like because I think that they tried they had to accommodate also for how he was going to do this stuff live. Yes, I mean, did you see the movie about about Def Leppard? That... I think I just saw clips. Because they do, yeah, definitely. I think once you get that in your mind and you're trying to like, how do we rig these drums so he can play, yeah. you know, everything he needs to play and then suddenly you have a backward snare thing and you're like, well, that, that answers that mm-hmm. part, you know. Well, let's do a little more of that. And then maybe they started down that, I don't know. Maybe they started down that Does road. he do the hi-hat with his feet? I think so. But I think he's got different ways depending on what he needs to do at that moment, you know. The guy says he still suffers from, like, PTSD and and, and depression and wow. stuff like that. The, the part that I didn't know from that movie, if it's if the movie is, is accurate, they sewed his arm back on. Yeah. And then it rejected. It, his body rejected the arm, so they had to take it back off. I mean, like, oh, my God. Yeah, PTSD is not a huge surprise there. Um. Anyway, so I think, yes, talk about producers because, man, like some some great songs out there that are really dated. Is it because they're dated songs or is it because the production is dated? I think probably the pr- production because if you listen to, you can listen to, I, when I listen to, for example, oh, I listen to, uh, okay, it's, it's a bad example. Can we talk about Prince? Okay. Okay, so Little Red Corvette, fun song, great. Yeah. But, but it was really early 80s produced. You know, the, the snares It was also like, like kind of demo-y. Yeah, yeah. I like, do. To me, yeah. it sounds like a demo. Yeah, I mean, and he did he did have stuff like that. Big Part of that was because he was like, at that point, I don't know how old he was, but his first stuff to come out, to, to come out, he was 19 and he was playing and, and producing all of it. Right. So... It was also his learning curve, which I love. At the point, at that point in time, you were allowed to do that. Little Girl. Red Corvette was a. I mean, I I loved the song when it came out. Yeah, there you go. It, and it was it was a huge hit for him and all that stuff. But then you listen to Purple Rain. Yeah. Oh my God, a guy who found his feet. Yeah. Like that song. Yeah. Amazing. The production. Well, and Kiss. Amazing. Yeah, Kiss. Well, that's an interesting one. If what they say is true, there were elements of that song that were ripped off, basically. But I heard the interview where Prince said that he had recorded a whole bunch of music over top of that. Like there was a brass section and there was all this stuff and huge percussion and backing vocals. And then he realized that he was killing his song. What you said about right. about your song as well. Like you said that you put in a choir and it was too much, you know? Well, I did, on a lot of the stuff that we recorded back then, it's just, you know, we were like, let's try this, let's add this. And it, it's it's fun. You know, it's a lot of fun. but It's fun in the studio, but it's not serving the song. No. So so Kiss became a hit. If that interview is actually what happened, it makes sense to me. After being pared down. Because he took all that stuff back out and just let it be, Kiss, you know. He let it be the elements that made it strong, you know. And I think that's what the producer needs to do. And theoretically, that's what they're there to do. But 
sometimes they get caught up in the fun of the studio yeah. and the possibly self-serving. If it's overproduced, then we just use the word produced and we want to know who the producer was. Right. You know, as opposed to listening to a great song that was perfectly... Phil Spector pre-murder charge was, you know, like remember the Beatles album or the Long and, Wi the Long and Winding Road, that was the controversy, right? Is that Long and Winding Road went out um, after being produced with the wall of sound by, oh, by Phil Spector. Okay. And the, I don't know if all of them hated it, but definitely there were a, a few members of the Beatles that just despised that version. Yeah. And there's another version that came out later that was much more pared down. Did you hear, it, it was when we were in Qingdao, so what was that, 2000, for, for me it 2002, was... 2002, 2003, 2004? Yeah, ish. it was when they released the Beatles Naked CD. Yes, I remember that. And some of those songs, I think, were actually better naked, yes. like just the acoustic and the piano and stuff. Some of them I was like, yeah, it's kind of like takes, taking the salt out of the stew, you know? Right, you know? right. So, yeah, I can see that. I can see how... It's interesting that there are songs that need to be, that they, they need to have those production values. Yeah, to make it... To make great, it what yeah. it is. And then you kind of go, okay, well, is that a good song? Well, then that goes back to what I said about w the way that I view what I do on GarageBand and put out, you know, for me, that's, it's fun, but I don't feel like it's super strong songwriting. I feel like there are good little kind of sound clips that I do fun things with, and sometimes it's really catchy to listen to, and yeah. it's nice. Yeah. Is that a great song? No, yeah, I, because a song, you know, you in the old days anyways, would be something that you would sit down like they do in the Beatles video and hash out, you know, over hours and hours and hours right. of, of rehearsing the same song again and again. And let's try this and try that and put right. this in and that and take that out. And I think that's the case. Like if you if you hear a song, I can't think of a specific one right now, but some of those Beatles songs that I thought ah, I kind of liked it better with the with the effects in there and, you know, mm. um. It's probably because it wasn't a great song. It was a good song, you yeah. know, and it was the Beatles, so they had just Lennon and McCartney's voices on there or whatever, you know. Yeah. But they weren't great songs, and then they put the production in. It's hard it, to imagine that people like us would be saying those songs weren't great, but but truthfully, like those, especially the, but I listened to Rubber Soul the other day. Man, that was a strong album. That was such a strong album. And yeah. that, you know what gets me in that? Is the the horn, beep 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 beep, yeah. Oh. The way they make that sound like an actual horn. Okay, yeah. You know, and even and even the baby, you can drive my car. It's almost that is almost like a horn sound. The way they put that harmony in there. I think they it's did incredible. I, I think uh, the the production did a lot, but not yeah. on that album. On that album, the production was was great, but those songs, Norwegian Wood, yeah, you know, Michelle. Norwegian Wood is still one of my favorite. I, sometimes I get sick of it because I listen to it too much and I have to drop it for a year or two and then I go back to it and I listen to it nonstop. Masterpiece. That's kind of where I was going though. The production did a lot for them but they had such strong songs and they had built up this process where they were picking, cherry picking from four songwriters. Right. You know, they just, they didn't often need that production. Kind of an unknown George Harrison better. song on that album. I can't remember the the name of it, right now. Why? There's this. He had written one the, the album before, but it there was one on that album. I check, can't think of it. Check the, the links below. Yeah, check the links below. Don't forget to like and subscribe. <laughs>
Good night. <laughs> Good night. Thanks for the thanks for the. That should story. be the end of the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Don't forget to like and subscribe. Good we night. Should get, we should get Lincoln saying it though. Yes. <laughs> That'll be the. That could be literally be the end of the podcast. Each each episode. Oh, I love it. That's, Wouldn't that be great? Okay, done. Done. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Good night.